Up next is my interview with Mitchell. Mitchell is an American educator living in Korea and married to a local. Tune in. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where I talk to expats about what it's like living, working, making a home abroad. You'll get great information for your move abroad via this podcast. Also, go to the website, arewehomeyetpodcast.com, and subscribe to the blog for more helpful information to make your home abroad a success. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. Okay. All right. So hello, listeners. Thank you for returning to the Are We Home Yet podcast. So today I have the pleasure of speaking with Mitchell and his wife, Boram. So where are you guys located? And uh, both of you can answer this. It's fine. But uh, where are you guys located and how long have you been there? Uh, We are in Seoul, South Korea, and I've lived here since 2016. I moved from California. Okay. And Boram, she's from uh, a southern part of South Korea, Daegu. And we moved in together in a different city and then moved to Seoul, what, last year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. And so, uh, Mitchell, what prompted your move to South Korea? And where did you live before that? Yeah, I, I grew up in San Diego. Um, I never lived abroad, but I did do like some stints, you know, lots of traveling. I did my semester abroad in Beijing. Um, And after I graduated college, I started working at um, some advertising, job advertising agency. Mm -hmm. And it was so boring and I hated it. (laughs) And I talked with my girlfriend at the time and we said now is like the perfect time for me to try living abroad. Uh And so I found a job for teaching in Korea for one year, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, pretty basic. You can get jobs all over the place in East Asia Mm -hmm. teaching. Um, So I went out and tried that for a year and things changed and now I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, okay. And Boram, have you always lived in uh, Korea or did you live somewhere else as well? Uh, Most of the times, yes, I've been living in Korea, but I've stayed in the New York City for six months for an internship job. But yeah, mostly I stayed in in Korea for the rest, almost all my life. Yes. Okay, cool. And so, you know, both of you, I'd like to hear, um, what is your definition of home? Because, you know, Boram, that, that has been your home, but, you know, still, what's your definition? I'd like to hear that as well, besides Mitchell's. Um, she wants me to go first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, my definition of a home is just somewhere that you feel comfortable. Like it doesn't even have to be a specific building or house or anything. Uh-huh. Um, I really noticed it. I think it was the second time that I went back to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I only went like once a year cause you know, it's so expensive and far. Um, but the second time I went back to the States, I felt kind of, uncomfortable like out of my own skin Mm -hmm. you know everything there seemed more foreign and when I came back to Korea I was really relieved (laughs) much more relaxed Mm -hmm. and so I really think that like where you feel comfortable you know where you can relax where you can be yourself that's really your home and even though we kind of hate the apartment that we're living in now (laughs) um you know it's nice being together when we come home from a vacation or something, we mm-hmm. still feel a little relieved just being in something familiar. 
you know. Warren, yeah. what do you think? I do agree with him. Yes, but it's for me, it's a little hard to define the exact meaning of home, mm-hmm. especially in our age. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of people move to different areas or different countries, so it's kind of mm. it's not that easy to define exact meaning of it. But I do agree with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me uh, from both of your standpoints, Borm. You know, we'll start with you first. You've lived there, you know, all your life. What what's it like living there? And Mitchell, you know, as someone who's only lived there a few years, you know, it's still relatively new to you. What's it like as well? So, Borm, you go first. Um, there are several features of living in Korea and Seoul cities. Mm-hmm. Seoul is the capital of Korea. And it's really small, mm-hmm. but everything's really centered. Mm. And it's very easy to access everywhere. Almost you don't you almost don't need your own car because the transportation is very easy for you to travel or access. Yeah. And it's not that expensive either. So even if you don't have a car, you can easily move anywhere, almost anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. And the um I I also want to say that. The healthcare in Korea is quite good. Mm-hmm. You don't even yeah, really good. Yeah, like you don't even need to make an appointment to walk into the doctor's office. Mm. So it's really nice if you're if you urgently need to see a doctor or mm-hmm. you know immediately or urgently out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Still, you don't need a lot of money to see a doctor whenever you need. Mm. That's something that I really didn't realize until Borom started harping on me about because like you know back in the states if you have a little bit of a cold or something it's not really worth going to the doctor but here it's um it's socialized medicine Mm -hmm. so you pay five bucks in (laughs) cash for pretty much anything you can get blood tests done you can get x-rays all kinds of stuff it's ridiculously cheap and efficient and um even when my mom came to visit she had a little problem and we're like let's go get it sorted Mm-hmm. And we got everything done, results, diagnosis, planned treatment and stuff like within what, an hour or two? Really? Yes. Versus, on yeah, on the same day. And in America, mom was like, well, I'm still waiting for my x-rays from yeah. the second place to go back to my doctor. You know, there's so much that back and forth. But here, there are just so many doctors and it's socialized and it's really easy. But yeah, I agree with Borom. It's a super modern city. It's um whole country. Uh, it's easy to get around. The public transportation's cheap. I take the train to work every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's efficient. It's clean. The people are nice. Uh, really low crime too. That's one of my favorite uh, things. Yeah, I haven't thought of it. You can yeah, like true. almost nothing gets stolen. <laughs> Not at, at midnight, you can just go anywhere. You don't need to yeah. worry about getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Borama, she dropped her phone one time out in some kind of older, sketchy-looking neighborhood. Mm-hmm. and uh we pulled it up on the you know find my phone app and we went over and someone had picked it up and put it in the windowsill so no one would like step on it or steal it or anything mm-hmm. and it was just sitting there just outside unharmed and you, you see people in cafes all the time they go away for like an hour and leave their laptop on the mm-hmm. table it's nuts yeah. so it's just so safe and so comfortable and i think that's one of the things that makes me feel so comfortable here is that you don't have to be on guard or on edge yeah yeah that that definitely sounds idyllic yeah it's just like um you know it's not 100 mm-hmm. perfect and safe and stuff like there are certain areas to avoid and stuff like mm-hmm. that but in general mm-hmm. it's good and safe 
Let's take a quick break. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Want to make your move abroad as smooth as possible? Download the ebook from the AreWeHomeYetPodcast.com website for resources in making a home abroad. Unsure how to make money while living abroad? Download the free teaching online PDF with more than 20 online companies looking for people to teach various languages and different subjects. Download these two great items and make your move abroad a reality. Okay, back to the show. Okay, so now tell me, um, because again, like I said, I haven't visited, but you know, hopefully one day, you know, what's what's mm-hmm. the food like? What I mean, you know, what what um, yeah, what are some things that you guys enjoy eating? And I mean, are there any places that you like visiting, and and why? Um, it's really good living in Seoul because there are so many different areas, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's similar to most other big cities like Shanghai or New York or Beijing Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's like the trendy art district. There's like the college areas. Mm -hmm. There's the foreign areas, all that other stuff. Um, I really like hanging out around the college area, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, around Hapjong and Hongdae. Mm -hmm. Those are on the north side of the Hanggang River, right in the middle of Seoul. Mm -hmm. And um, they're just kind of... They're kind of quieter, surprisingly, um, but they have lots of like cool cafes and restaurants. We went to a little Japanese restaurant mm-hmm. uh, last night over there, mm-hmm. but they've got, you know, mostly there's Korean food everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of kimchi, spicy things, mm-hmm. soups, uh, Korean barbecue. Oh, I love Korean barbecue. Oh, it's great. You got to come in. We'll take you out for some good Korean barbecue. Oh, my goodness. I love Um, it. Yeah, it's definitely Korean food heavy, but um, foreign food is really popular, too, especially Italian food. Mm-hmm. there's everybody goes out for Italian food all the time really? and you can pretty much find some kind of pasta somewhere okay. um, it's there are a few like really good Italian places uh-huh. like they're actual Italians or like American cooks or something like that mm-hmm. um, a lot of it is kind of that like Korean Italian mm-hmm. blend mm-hmm. of the two sure, sure. yeah um, also fried chicken is huge here. Oh, Cre- yeah, right. Cream yes. fried chicken. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard about that. So good. Oh, and delivery. Everything is delivery. We get yeah, delivery hot pot. Almost everything is possible. Oh, this breakfast we had you delivery. You just need your phone and the yeah. app to order the delivery food. And, and they'll send it anywhere. You can be yes. in the park. You yes. say, oh, we're next to the big tree. And then they we're send it over the We're sitting in the grass. Tree. Find us. And- wow. <laughs> yeah. It, okay. It's funny going out to the big parks and stuff because you'll see the delivery drivers like wandering around, like looking for the people who order their different dishes and stuff. Yeah, so I heard that people are actually getting their second job as the delivery driver. Really? It's not a bad moonlighting thing, yeah. Because it's a, it. it's a huge trend that people started to order delivery food due to the COVID situation. Mm. So the um, demand of the delivery food is increasing and some people are actually getting making their second job as the um, delivery drivers. Well, there you go. Which which is interesting. Quit your job, be a delivery driver. That's very interesting. And it's so cheap, too. Yeah. Like, when we try to do delivery in the States, unless it's pizza or Chinese food, it costs you a fortune, like Uber Eats or whatever. 
Okay, so let me move on to how did you guys meet? Where did you guys meet? You know, what what made you guys like fall in love? How did you realize like, wow, this is the person I want to be with forever and get married to? Like, like what was it? Like, tell us what 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 was that about? How how was that? So we met in February of my first year here. We had both just broken up with our longtime relationships. Wow. I think four years each. We were yeah, both in yeah, a four-year relationship. Yeah. yeah. We were over. <laughs> exactly. And um, so her, your boyfriend moved back to the States? Yes. Yeah, he moved back to the States. And my girlfriend broke up with me while I was here. You know, just long-distance relationship is so sure, difficult both, both of them, yeah. to deal with. And so we were both on, I think it was Plenty of Fish. No, 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 okay, let's not make it? it. No, it was some kind of Korean website. What would I be on a Korean website? I don't know. Why were you? <laughs> I wasn't. It was something just like regular. Some I don't know. It was some Korean dating website. Cupid. No. Okay, Cupid. Oh, oh, okay. That's what it was. Okay, okay, Cupid. So we were both on Okay, Cupid. She agreed to meet, and um, we had a really nice time just mm. chatting and just hung out a lot. And then, yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you tell your story no <laughs> okay yeah and um so we dated for quite a while i'm a very like shy kind of person when it comes to dating very timid so i take a long time to like do anything like make moves or anything like that mm-hmm. so she was patient with me and um we dated for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then i wanted to propose and my mom flew out mm-hmm. and she brought her ring and we met in uh, Busan, the southern coast city. And I took Boram out to this like nice cliff overlook point and proposed to her there. And she was surprised. <laughs> I wasn't really surprised because he was just, he kept touching his pockets, you know, obviously. <laughs> well, in that moment, you weren't surprised. <laughs> In general, you didn't know I was going to propose. But as soon as we arrived by the taxi, mm. he started to, you know, just. Well, I didn't want to lose it. Yeah, I was like patting, patting my pockets like all over. I was yeah, like, where's the like, ring? Where's the ring? So obvious. So, yeah. And then that worked out. And then um, we were engaged for a year. And then we flew out to California mm-hmm. to have our wedding. Mm-hmm. And really lucky timing because it was December 2019. Oh, and um, exactly mm-hmm. so we had our wedding we went to the grand canyon and when we flew back i think a week later is when they started exactly. travel restrictions yeah wow wow okay. married in lockdown <laughs> <laughs> there are differences in every culture but what do you mm. guys find that are the similarities from your cultures to have been able to like help you guys what did you guys have like in common that it really helped you to connect surprisingly a lot mm-hmm. like we like a lot of we like the same movies we like a lot of similar music and mm-hmm. like the same kind of comedy and stuff like that mm-hmm. and so we have quite a few like cultural equivalencies kind of things but like every once in a while i'll say something about like the brady bunch or whatever and mm-hmm. she had no idea who i was talking sure. about mm-hmm. so you know there's like like pop culture things they kind Mm -hmm. of vary but in general we know most of the same things she loves avengers so (laughs) we saw all the marvel movies and stuff like that um but yeah we get along 
pretty well. We're pretty good match, pretty well matched. Okay, cool. And so, okay, so so tell me, Mitchell. So what? Okay, so before when you were single, what were the struggles mm. and joys of being an expat? Um, struggle is definitely meeting people, mm -hmm. <laughs> making friends, mm -hmm. actually being able to go out. Because um, you know, it growing up in California everybody is so relaxed you just come over to someone's house you're like hey do you want to hang out yeah let's go yeah. get lunch together whatever it's very casual and like instant mm -hmm. but here everybody like demands planning they're <laughs> like i i messaged someone and i was like oh do you want to go get dinner he's like uh sure how is the 22nd or something <laughs> and i was okay. like no i was like tonight he's like oh i can't tonight i was like are you busy he's like no, but that's just so sudden. I was like, that's not an answer. <laughs> like, if you're not doing anything, then you're free. Like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, so making friends like that, it was really difficult. And it's still difficult making Korean friends, which is why most of my friends are Americans or expats or something. Mm -hmm. um, so usually I'd make friends with the people that I work with. Mm -hmm. uh, I was lucky because my first couple jobs were like people my similar age. They're really friendly. We got along. So we hang out and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then um, now from Instagram and stuff, mm -hmm. I meet new people and I made some new friends and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of latch onto their group and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But definitely it's a struggle making friends oh, and getting around. Yeah. And a lot of people are self-conscious of their English sure. too, a lot of Koreans. So either you make friends because they want to practice their English with you or they don't want to be friends because they're embarrassed by their English mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so so then let me ask you, because, you know, you've been married to to a local now for some years. Um, so has that helped you to feel kind of like I don't know if you've ever felt like an outsider there, but has it helped you to feel like maybe less of an outsider? Because now you really do have family there, albeit, yes, it, you know, it is mm. her extended family or her immediate family, but still they're your family as well. Like, has that helped you mm. with the transition to feel more at home there, to feel like you're settled? Like maybe you could, you know, like you guys could stay there for yeah, a long time. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I really feel like there's different stages of being an expat and living in a different country. Mm -hmm. Like when you first arrive, you're a tourist pretty mm -hmm. much, you know, your first couple months, you're, everything is brand new. You're going out all the time. You're super confused and interested by everything. And then after you settle in, you're kind of into a routine. And then at that point you start missing like real friends or like deeper connections or relationships or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then once you're married, because a lot of expats that I know, they get married too and set up shop here, mm -hmm. um, you know, then you become pretty much a local or as close to a local as you can. Like when we still go out to restaurants with Borom and her family or something, you know, sometimes they'll still bring me a fork because I think I can't use chopsticks or, <laughs> okay. you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really speak Korean that well or at all. so. You know, I struggle with that kind of thing, but people are nice and it's easy to do. And yeah, it is a little bit different when you're actually married because mm -hmm. you kind of have this more like insider mm -hmm. perspective yeah. to things like um, her family takes me to different places that I never would have gone mm -hmm. if I were alone or on or as a tourist or whatever. And because I've been in Seoul for longer than Boram has, mm -hmm. I know more places. So sometimes I'll take her to somewhere new to sure. her. 
Sure. So. Okay. And so, Borum, were were there things that, you know, you needed to help uh, Mitchell with in terms of adjustment? And, you know, do you still, I'm assuming you still help him, like, for instance, like if any language or anything like that, what's it been like? I guess I'm wondering, what's it been like married to someone from a different culture? Like, what what is that like for you? The struggle of marrying to an expat would be mostly the um, language difference. Mm-hmm. And especially because Mitch doesn't speak almost no Korean. <laughs> Whenever he goes, <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> he thinks that he can, but he can't. <laughs> okay. It's like absolute basic, like I can buy something or I can ask for directions or whatever. But yeah, like the only Korean that I need is like really high level stuff, like, you know, banking things or shipping or mm-hmm. something more difficult. And I just can't do that. So Forum mm-hmm. helps me. Yeah, you know, like, like for example, when he sees a doctor or local officer mm-hmm. or Someone some administrative, him. you know, tasks, then I need to be there with him mm-hmm. in order to avoid any misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And especially when we were moving last year from the other city, Incheon to Seoul city, I had to deal with almost everything, mm-hmm. like contacting the um uh, real agencies or. Movers. movers and arranging everything mm-hmm. by myself was really overwhelming because even though Mitch was one Mitch wanted to help me he couldn't because of his Korean mm-hmm. language situation so that was hard for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if we if we do have an argument or a fight or something it's usually about me not speaking Korean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, you know, you've been there for, for quite some time, Mitchell. Um, mm-hmm. like, do you do you guys hope to stay in Korea for good? Um, Borum and Mitchell, have you guys ever discussed like settling somewhere else in a different country? Or, you know, um, you know, Borum, since since really the rest of your family's there, like, would you also hope to just kind of stay there for good? Like, what what does that look like for the future? We're thinking about moving, um, moving around for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm finishing up my master's in ESL right now, mm-hmm. and I hope to either teach at a university or go on and get my PhD. Mm-hmm. And so we're we've been looking at moving to somewhere like New Zealand or Canada or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe not permanently because Borom, her parents are in Daegu and. They're, you know, in their 60s. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't want to be too far. We don't want to be super far away all the time. Mm-hmm. And if we did live in New Zealand or something like that, like it's far from just both of our families. Mm-hmm. So I would never see my mom mm-hmm. <laughs> because she's too far. Um, but we want to move around a little bit and it's still up in the air where we really want to settle. I really like Goje, Goje mm-hmm. Island. Mm-hmm. There's this little island um, right on the southern coast of korea and it was just so nice mm-hmm. we went there on vacation and it's just all these cute little houses and stuff and i was like we should live here <laughs> okay great so let me ask you a few more questions so we can continue to get a good sense of what it's like being an expat okay so so tell us what exactly is your day-to-day like so monday through so, friday you know i'm sure it's probably different than the weekend so yeah yeah totally um Normal weekday, I wake up at about six, uh-huh. uh, get ready and just go on the train mm-hmm. to work. My work is about an hour away mm-hmm. um, outside of Seoul, south of Seoul. Mm-hmm. And so I take a couple trains there and 
you know, work. Um, my new school is actually really nice. So I don't have a ton of stress or work to do. Um, eat lunch there, come home around five or six. Uh-huh. Uh, usually go to the gym, cook some dinner or pick up burgers from downstairs, something easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife usually works a lot later than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, she used to get off at like 10 or 11 at night, like really late. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Which is kind of typical in Korea. Mm-hmm. A lot of people work really, really late. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently she's been getting off at a normal time. So now we can actually go to the gym together, or have dinner together, which is nice. Or I can meet her by her work for dinner. What what's job hunting like? You know, because it, I'm sure like just from my experience in China, it was very different. The job hunting process to get to find mm. and get the job in China, very different compared to like now when I want to go to a different school, very different. And, you know, also like yeah. job security, like, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit before, you know, uh, we started up the, the recording, um, you know, your visa is tied to your job. So you can't just say, exactly. oh, well, I'm just going to take a few months off to like, I don't know, find myself. Because no job equals no visa equals no stay. And then, you know, some, <laughs> some, some of the schools, they pay for your housing. So then now no home. <laughs> so, so what's exactly. that like job hunting, job security? So um, once you're in country, you definitely have a leg up on mm-hmm. finding a new job. I think it's mm-hmm. much easier and you got better chances and it's just easier administratively as well. Yeah. Um, my first job when I got, when I was still living in the States, that's what moved mm-hmm. me to Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a online recruiter, which is how a lot of them work. And they said, oh, we got you an interview at this place. They really need a teacher urgently. Everything's urgent, urgent, urgent. Mm-hmm. And so I did the Skype interview, just like a couple minutes. It was basically just to see like, if I speak English and if I'm nice kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, then immediately after that he messaged me back and he said okay they want you there at the end of the month which is super fast to move abroad I wasn't thinking it was going to be that fast Mm -hmm. and so I was like okay and got all my stuff together the guy was really rude he at one point he cussed me out for like messing up something you oh no I hate this guy (laughs) yeah he was the worst um And then once I get to Korea, I find out literally everything he told me was a lie. It wasn't middle school. It was kindergarten. It didn't pay the same amount. It paid less. Like there were, I had to pay for the housing and like all this other stuff that he just straight up didn't mention. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like he outright lied about a lot of it, but he was very wishy-washy on the details kind of thing. So that's my top advice for anybody looking for a job. Make sure you know all the specifics um but i stayed there for a year and a half because since i started in summer the school semesters really start in winter here mm-hmm. so um i decided to stay six extra months just so i would have a better pick at schools mm-hmm. for the winter semester mm-hmm. and after that first place i found another um academy they're called hogwans here Mm-hmm. just like an after-school academy, yeah. but much nicer, higher pay, um, smaller. It was just me and one other teacher that I brought with me. And so that was pretty good. And we stayed there for a couple of years. And then um, things really started to change there. The The clients were way too picky, mm-hmm. which 
totally happens with the private education here is mm -hmm. the parents say, oh, I want them to do this and this and this and this. Yeah, yeah. But not this, <laughs> like that. And da -da 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 -da. Give me more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They want more and they want it to be fun, but then they yell at you when you play games. And I'm mm -hmm. like, it's an educational game. And then they say, no, 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 we don't want any games. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, <laughs> your kids aren't going to learn anything. Yeah. So anyway, that happened. And then um, since I had been in the country for a couple of years and I also got my uh, TEFL, mm -hmm. um, it gave me the opportunity to start working at public schools, okay. which are much cushier. Yeah, um, TEFL you know, teaching like English as foreign language certificate. Sorry, just not to interrupt you. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which is totally worth doing. It's yeah. You can get deals on Groupon. They're really cheap. Mm -hmm. and it gives you a huge advantage yeah um, and, and it's only 120 hours which i mean i know sounds like a lot but really it's it's not by the time you finish it online oh totally and yeah when you're taking it online you just kind of click through everything yeah um but yeah it's it's fast i think it took me a week to do mm -hmm. you know i was doing it pretty much all during the day mm -hmm. um but after i got the tuffel i applied for um what's it called? Corvia. It's mm -hmm. the like public school recruiting agency. Mm -hmm. And they gave me lots of opportunities, but I had the luxury of being picky because I wasn't on time. I wasn't being forced out of my other job. And, um, you know, I kind of knew my worth at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. So I turned down a bunch of jobs that they gave me, which is also really good advice. Don't say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and then finally I got the offer for this one and knew that it was a really good one and tried out for it and luckily got it and really love my new school. But yeah, with the, the moving and your business, your, uh, your work pays for your apartment. Mm -hmm. So you don't really have like housing security. So if you are fired or if you do want to quit, you're, you have to find some place to live. And in Korea, it's really difficult because they need massive um, down payments for mm -hmm. even for rentals. Mm -hmm. They'll ask for like $10,000 down payment, US mm -hmm. dollars. Really? For a rental. It's insane. Yeah. Wow. And those things like totally sneak up on you. Like mm -hmm. there's these massive down payments if you want to rent. Mm -hmm. There's um, a lot of the schools in the contracts they put mm -hmm. in that you need to give like a security deposit. Mm -hmm. which is in case you break something or leave early mm -hmm. and it can be as much as a month or two months salary mm -hmm. that you have to basically forfeit mm -hmm. and as a deposit and you get it back at the end but mm -hmm. like the when I first moved to Korea I found out okay so not only do I have to pay for utilities at my apartment which I didn't realize was about a hundred bucks it was really expensive mm -hmm. um also my boss decided to count the first two weeks as training weeks. So I wasn't oh. paid for those. Uh -huh. And then I didn't get my paycheck for until like the next pay cycle, which was like a month and a half after I moved there. Mm -hmm. So I was super broke <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. in and like, you know, just scraping by and with, and then I finally got my first paycheck and it was way less than I thought because what they told me I think they told me it was like 2.1 million, which is, it's about $2,000 a month. Mm -hmm. um, but after taxes, it was like 1.8. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then minus the utilities and then minus the security deposit on the apartment that I had to pay, which was, I think, 500 bucks. And then minus the school deposit and all this other stuff. <laughs> I think I had like $700 for the first three months I lived yeah. in Korea. Tell me, um, I mean, do you remember like the visa process? What what was that lie? like? Was that difficult? Was that simple? I mean, you mentioned having to be there in one month, which I mean, you know, that that's quite a quite quite a quick turnaround. Um, so, yeah. so what what was that, that like? That made it pricier. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the Korean visa, you have to get some documents apostled mm-hmm. or oh, apostilled yes. or however you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, and so you have to send your bachelor's degree to like the state apostle, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have to get a FBI background check and also have that apostled. And then you have to mail both of those to your school mm-hmm. or if you're not in the country, you have to mail them to the school and then they deal with the visa for you and then send you the visa thing. Um, but because it was all within a month, the guy told me, oh, do the rush on it, do the rush on it. Mm-hmm. And so I think for all my documents and stuff, it was like 300 bucks mm-hmm. for including the processing fees and express shipping and like overnight airmail and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Which made me a lot more angry when I got into the country and found out he was a liar about everything. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, once you're in Korea mm-hmm. um, doing the visa stuff, you go to the immigration center. You need tons and tons of documents. Mm-hmm. You need um, all of your copies of your apostles. So mm-hmm. make sure you copy those before you send them off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you need uh, your bank's you need your bank account, you need your tax information, you need um, lots of other stuff, like something with your address on it, which is difficult because you don't own the place that you're living in. So your name isn't on anything that it's addressed to. Mm-hmm. So you need like your um, the property owner's signature on another statement and then all your school stuff. Mm-hmm. You need your school schedule to show that it's real. There's It's a real pain to go to immigration. And especially here because they really arbitrarily pick what you need. Mm -hmm. So online, it tells you this one list of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when you go in person, they say, oh, well, where's your uh, business's last year's tax documents? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that wasn't on the list. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, we need it. Mm -hmm. And so one year, I just sat there at the immigration window, just saying, I don't have it. And (laughs) she's like, well, you need it. And I said, well, I don't have it. And sat there for about an hour. And then finally she said, okay, just give me what you got. (laughs) And then (laughs) approved. Okay. And it totally goes like that sometimes. Like um, Mm -hmm. when we went for uh, my marriage visa, Mm -hmm. which that was a really good one because that allows me to change jobs, change fields, all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, When we went for that, it said we needed all these tons of kind of documents. And we really over-prepared everything and, she even handed us back a couple stuff mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it got approved. No problem. I always say it's better to over-prepare than under, but re- like, it really depends on the day and the person that you go to. Mm-hmm. My friend, he applied for a marriage visa and he said the lady just denied them immediately, like without even looking at the stuff. Okay. He thinks she was just against foreigners or something, <laughs> but, um, okay. 
denied him right on the spot. And then they went back like a couple days later to a different immigration person and they approved him right on the spot. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. literally no rhyme or reason for it. Now, when you are married to a local, like how does that change the visa process for you? I mean, I'm assuming it, it does make things a little bit easier. Like, and, and then do, do you have to like re- renew like a spousal visa? Like, is there a spousal visa? And then yeah. do you have to renew that every year or or, you know, do they just say, oh, well, come back in a few years or what's that like? Kind of both. Um, so originally, if you're a teacher, you're on an E2 visa mm-hmm. and that one you have to renew each year or when you renew your contract. Mm-hmm. So if you switch schools in the middle, you have to go renew your visa too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm on the marriage visa, which is F6. Mm-hmm. And that's the one where we had to file all these papers together. Mostly it was stuff that my wife had to file. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like her documents showing her work stuff that she can mm-hmm. support me, that kind of thing. Um, but the way it works is when you switch to the F6 marriage visa, you renew it within one year, kind of like to prove that you're still married, that it's not just a a scam or something Mm -hmm. and then the next time I think it's two-year gap Mm -hmm. and then after that it's like five years and then 10 years or something like that so Mm -hmm. the renewal gets wider and wider each time but it's definitely not the same as like getting a residency or um you know just becoming a citizen kind of thing you Mm -hmm. still have to go back every couple years but it's it's easier than um the e-visa because you don't need all the school stuff you just need I guess your personal things how do you deal with missing family and friends, you know, especially in this, you know, this time that we're living in right now? I mean, not just before, but, you know, especially now, how how do you deal with that? How do you, you know, communicate still with family and friends? How do you keep in touch? How do you still maintain a bond? It's really hard, especially in Asia, just because of the time difference. It's mm-hmm. massive. Yeah. Um. I think the time difference is like 18 hours between mm-hmm. here and San Diego. Mm-hmm. And um, so I can pretty much only call someone if it's like early morning or after midnight here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'll be their previous day's afternoon kind of thing. Yeah. So calling someone is pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I like text my mom or uh, just Facebook messenger or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we, chat and stuff I keep up with my friends on social media usually on Instagram Mm -hmm. um but it is really hard especially like when when something happens like when my father passed away Mm -hmm. you know to go back to the states was Mm -hmm. difficult and I really had to argue with my um, boss because she wanted me to be here for the Christmas play and I said okay um there was a whole thing about that. And then she like deducted my pay after and mm-hmm. I had a shouting match. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the other thing about being, you're pretty much owned by your school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but yeah, traveling back and forth, it's so expensive to do it. And mm-hmm. generally you don't have that long of a vacation, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're at like a private school, they usually try and work you like year round, like in Korea, you're guaranteed two weeks of vacation, Mm -hmm. one in the summer and one in the winter. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it, Mm -hmm. Um, which is the benefit of going to public school because in public school, we have uh, two months in winter and one month in summer. Mm, 
So I actually do have time to go. Um, I was supposed to go to the States this last week mm-hmm. for a month, but because of COVID, I had to cancel it. Yeah. And um, I'm going to try again for the summer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like all my family went out to Texas to go see my grandparents mm-hmm. and they put me on Skype and like, you know, passed me around the table. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> so we're we're lucky to have at least you know, video chat and stuff like that, where we can do it or send each other little videos and that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, no, it is, it's, it can be difficult missing your family. As an expat, I'm assuming that, you know, you have met other expats, especially, you know, in a Mm -hmm. place like Seoul, which, you know, has international food and people visiting Mm -hmm. there and um, we're living there, working there. So, you know, what's that like meeting other expats, making friends with expats? And then because you have been there, you know, for quite some time, you know, Mm -hmm. when expats are your friends, but then they leave, you know, because they want to go to a different country or go back home. Mm -hmm. Then what does that feel like? First of all, like meeting friends can be a little tricky. Mm -hmm. I got kind of lucky because at the first school that I worked at, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of foreign teachers Mm -hmm. and most of them were pretty friendly. So we made, I have two close friends from that first school that we talked, but still talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend John, he went with me to the second school mm-hmm. and my friend Maggie, she moved to Shanghai and we've still been in contact and talk all the time. She actually flew out for my uh, bachelor party okay. the other year. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, uh, it's really tricky just like meeting people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on meetup the mm-hmm. app mm-hmm. and I'd go to some of like the English language meetups or kind mm-hmm. of thing. And like, you learn Korean for a little bit and then you just mingle with a big group of people. Yeah. And that was kind of cool because um, they always go out for like dinner or drinks or whatever after. And, you know, it's not super expensive and they're kind of all over the place. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. And I met a couple people from that, but nobody who was really like hangoutable. Mm-hmm. Um, usually like scheduling problems you know someone either they're busy all the time or they got opposite schedules of you or something like that and then um actually through instagram is how i met most of my friends Mm -hmm. um i have a couple different instagrams i've got this big uh gundam Mm -hmm. instagram account and Mm -hmm. i was going to um some of the gundam conventions Mm -hmm. and people would message me and be like oh hey i saw you at the convention blah 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 And then, so I'd message them and say, hey, how's it going? And, you know, we'd meet up and hang out or whatever. And so I met some friends from that, which was really cool. And um, now I have a wine Instagram as well. And Mm -hmm. I met a couple other people from that and we've been hanging out. But it's tricky because one of the guys, um, he lives in Jeju, which is the island off of the South Coast. So we don't really see each other, but we text all the time. Um, and then my other friend, he does live in Seoul and we do hang out quite a lot. Um, but now he's a cook, so he's working most of the day and him and his fiance are talking about moving to England. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they move to England, I'm back at square one. Yeah. Um, but when, when you talk about like people moving away as well, I guess it kind of depends on the friendship. Mm-hmm. Like some of the people I just wasn't that close with. So we don't talk anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but my close friends, we definitely, we have like a chat room on uh, different texting apps and stuff like that. And 
we still talked together, message each other, that kind of thing. So that's nice, but it still misses out on, you know, hanging out with people, which is what I really miss, especially like in San Diego, where you and a group of people, we'd have big parties or we just meet out at restaurants or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's tougher to do here. <laughs> I kind of equate it to like, um, like airplane friends. Mm-hmm. Like if you start talking to the person next to you on a plane, you're oh, never going to see that person again. Yeah. You're never going to message them or anything. But like, you know, you can enjoy the time together mm-hmm. with them and have some fun and then not think about it ever again, um, which is tricky. It's tricky, especially if you're with someone for a long time here. Mm-hmm. Like uh, one of my, my better friend, um, Maggie, the one who moved to Shanghai, um, we she was only here for... I think two or three years while mm-hmm. I was here mm-hmm. and I think three years. Um, but you know, we're super close friends. She was just texting me earlier today and it seems like we still hang out a lot because we do still call each other and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the other teachers from the first job, I never messaged or talked to or anything. Maybe I'll like hit like on a picture or something, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it varies, but definitely the closeness of a good group of friends is hard to find Mm -hmm. because everybody is kind of living their own thing and especially being abroad it's totally random um oh uh one good thing is really joining in all the groups Mm -hmm. i really suggest either joining groups or starting your own group um when i lived out in songdo which is on like the west coast uh i started this wine club and put it on facebook a couple people joined and a couple of people hung out and then I'd meet someone like through them or whatever. And so I got a couple more friends that way. Um, but then COVID got really strong and we had to not meet. So that's much trickier now, just not being able to hang out in person. Like they're not doing meetups. They're not, we can't do wine club or anything like that. Yeah. So it's a bummer. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that there is a difference from when you lived in America compared to now living in you know Korea like what Mm -hmm. what's your quality of life like you know the amount of maybe money that you might have that is disposable income or the amount of things that maybe you are able to do um you know has that changed is that better um I think I'm in pretty much an equal trade Mm -hmm. when I think about it Mm because um you know San Diego is not cheap so having the I had a car and the apartment and um, tons of money and gas and all that. And I was making probably about the same amount mm-hmm. that I am now. Um, but considering like the cost of food or um, the cost of healthcare, I think I'm better off here mm-hmm. because it, it is much cheaper to eat out at some places. Like you can get a decent dinner for five bucks mm-hmm. if you know where to look. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I still have money to buy some nice wines or I just went on a ski trip this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got disposable income. Um, and especially, you know, being married, my status kind of changed because now we pool our money together mm-hmm. um, and we're saving up for a house. But I think like healthcare wise, it's really easy and affordable to go to the doctor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Generally, I'm very happy. I'm very secure 
here. You know, I'm not worried about shootings or mm -hmm. my car getting broken into or something like that. You know, I don't have, I don't even have, I have a car here. I don't have to pay for one. Mm -hmm. um, so I think life is a little bit more simpler, a little bit just safer and calmer mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's definitely the trade-off with you know your friends and location and stuff like that. Like San Diego's pretty good; you can drive all around. You can go to the beach, or mountains, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, it definitely sounds nice. No, yeah. totally. Like uh, when I went when I was skiing, I was just there by myself, and uh, I go to the buffet and I just leave my phone and wallet on the table mm -hmm. and go over to the buffet and go wait in line for a coffee and then come back and. I had no worries about it getting stolen because it just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, nobody steals your phone here because I guess everything's on CCTV and the mm -hmm. phones are easily tracked and stuff like that. But just generally, not a lot of theft. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's takes some getting used to, but you can leave your laptop in a coffee shop and go to the bathroom or something. You know, there's no worries about that kind of stuff, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, we're going to go ahead and leave it there. And thank you so much okay. for taking the time to be interviewed by me today, Mitchell and Boram, on the Are We Home Yet podcast, a podcast where we talk about things that are related to how do you create a home abroad as an expat? And I hope my listeners and you guys have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Tune in to my next interview with Rosemary, an interesting expat experience. She was born in Germany, grew up in Belgium, in 2013 moved to Ghana for work, then returned back to Belgium with a husband and a child. She's creator of She Tribe, a community for women of color. I'm so excited. Tune in. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe on your podcast player and also leave a great review and rating of this podcast as well. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.